Jebby isn't a fighter or a subversive. They just want to paint. One day, they're jobless and desperate. The next, Jebby finds themselves recruited by the Ministry of Armor to paint the mystical sigils that animate the occupying government's automaton soldiers. But when Jebby discovers the depths of the Rosine government's horrifying crimes and the awful source of the magical pigments they use, they find they can no longer stay out of politics. Welcome to Treat Your Shelf, a book club podcast where each month we read a book and come together to discuss it. I'm Hannah. And I'm Christina. And this <laughs> month we read Phoenix Extravagant by Yoon Ha Lee. Yes. So, Christina, I chose the book. Yeah. We start you off did. with our non spoiler reviews. I've read other Yoon Ha Lee books before. Oh, I believe have. this okay. is your first. Yes, Yoon Holly book. So I am curious, mm-hmm. Christina, what did you think of this book? <laughs> I have mixed feelings because okay. I really did. I liked the world building. I liked the premise. I liked the book. <laughs> I will say I was listening to the audiobook. Mm. And I'm pretty sure I said this for, what was it? Psalm of the... Wild Belt. Psalm of the Wild Belt. It's just really hard for me to keep track of people in audiobooks. Like That's fair. Like, I do best when the audiobook is nonfiction and it's more like I can tune out some of the facts they give me Mm -hmm. and, like, come back in. But, yeah, I'm, like, I think I'm too ADD for audiobooks with a lot of names. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll go into it more later. But, yeah, overall, besides that, I did find it, like, a little slow in the beginning. Like, I was waiting for stuff to happen. But overall, I really liked it. And yeah, I thought it was like a really cool, colorful world. And I love the cover. Oh, the cover is gorgeous. Yeah, the cover's so cool. <laughs> it's fantastic. Nice. Yes. What did you think, Hannah? And how does this compare to the other Yunali books that you So that read? that is a good question. I I do still think I like his trilogy that I've read um, that starts off with the Nine Fox Gambit. Okay, but I I do I do like his trilogy I think better. Uh, I think it also helps that you know in a trilogy you have much more time uh, mm-hmm. to get to know every single character. So even if you are thrown a bunch of characters in the first book, you get to see how they grow throughout the exactly. Series. Yeah, for sure. And this uh, you'll see when I get into my recommended. I'm actually going to be recommending a trilogy. That I think if you liked this book, you would like that trilogy uh, where, yeah, it just feels like this book, a lot happens. I mean, it is slow in the beginning, but like a lot happens and then like a lot more Mm -hmm. could still have happened. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I always with these kind of books that are these like fantasy rebellion type stories, I, Mm -hmm. I always struggle with knowing like what my expectations should be for the book. I think my brain always wants like an incredibly wrapped up, like every single problem is solved. And Mm -hmm. that's not really the case in these types of books uh, where you've got these rebellion type stories. They rarely end with a super (laughs) like concrete. (laughs) This is uh, like every, every single problem is fixed. So that's just Mm -hmm. an expectation that I need to manage on my own. But 
But yeah, I mean, all of that said, I fell in love with Jebby. Jebby is just this adorable, naive, sweet painter person. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like they are, they're just, they're just really sweet. And mm-hmm. I just loved them and their misadventures throughout this yeah. story. Yeah. Because they are, I, I think I said this for my description of this book where uh, they're a reluctant hero. I had heard somebody else describe mm-hmm. them as a reluctant hero. And yes, they are fully a reluctant hero the whole way through. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then, yeah, I just, the the romance I was on the fence about for a while. And then it just really got me. And I thought it was really adorable. <laughs> And yeah. and I was really I thought you would. Them. I thought you would like it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, it's one of those things where at first you've got kind of like a power dynamics thing going yeah. on, and so those mm-hmm. all can always be tricky. Right. And so, but I think I I think it worked out really well. And then yeah, I don't know that the ending just. I mean, I know I was saying like I wanted really wrapped up endings, but I don't know. The ending made me fall in love with the whole story. I think. I think yes, I was on the yeah. fence about where I was going to rate the story. And then just mm-hmm. the ending alone, if I just take that, like that was enough to really just, I don't know, put it above yeah. and beyond for me. I just, I, I don't know. I, I really liked it. So Nice. Ugh. Well, I'm glad you liked the book you picked. I, you know what? I was so worried because I literally had not read a single word for two weeks, three weeks um, before having to binge this book in two days to be able to record. <laughs> so, you know, probably yeah, not I was the like, most ideal. Is Hannah not enjoying this book? Is that why it's taking so long? No. But I it, know you have school too. So. Yeah, it, it was literally, I I opened the book and just nothing was sinking into my brain where mm-hmm. I would, I read four pages and nothing was sinking in. And it wasn't the book. It was literally my brain where yeah. I was just thinking of school and planning and everything that I had mm-hmm. to do for my job. And I was not focusing on this book. So that yeah. was a me problem, not a, not a book problem. And so I did end up mostly listening to it. I I have the physical book and I was I was trying to mark it up whenever I could, but to be mm-hmm. able to finish it I did have to kind of go through the audiobook as quickly as I could. So Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I do still have some random annotations in there that I'll hopefully remember and get to. But Yeah. But yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> Let's get into our spoiler-filled discussion. So this is the portion where if you have not read the book and you do not want to be spoiled, go read it. I mean, it's not actually that long. I mean, the Oh, yeah, text, how many pages? It's only, it's 353, but I don't know, Christina, if you can see the text. The text is pretty big for a, yeah. um, for a novel, so it it's not that bad. I know the audiobook, though, is like 10 hours. Um, which is slightly mm-hmm. longer than a standard. I think like the average is usually eight or nine. Okay. So slightly teeny bit longer. But yeah, mm-hmm. so if you have not read it, go read it. But if you're like, eh, I don't care about being spoiled. Spoil me all you want. Then continue listening. <laughs> spoiled breaths. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Christina, I... 
I think because I'm usually more of a character-driven person, I tend mm-hmm. to want to go into these discussions focusing more on the characters and then kind of getting into plot points yeah. based around them. So, Jebby, I know I talked a little bit about how I thought they were adorable and naive. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about Jebby as our reluctant hero in this story? I thought they were great. I... Well, I love the concept of this painting Mm. bringing, like, powering the automatons. I don't know if I even interpret that correctly, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I just thought it was so cool. And, like, you know, how Jebby, like, comes into their own as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was nice. It, like, sometimes with reluctant heroes, I have to say, like, they're annoying to me or... Right. Sometimes they're whiny, and I didn't feel any of that from Mm. Jeffy at all. No. Yeah. Like, I felt like they were like, I don't know what I'm being thrown into, but we'll get through it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's so much world building that goes on around Jebby, where they are in the society that has been, you know, taken over. Mm-hmm. and where their culture is being suppressed and they yeah. can't really they're they have trouble you know finding jobs and if they want to fit in and do this they have to kind of assimilate but then they're kind of seen as like they're working with the enemy and yeah. so it's this tough thing that they're trying to balance and we start off where jebby I mean, they just, they need money. They have debts. They they yeah. need money. That is their sole focus. And so they are trying so hard to just find a job that they are mm-hmm. fine with. And yeah. I... I liked how they they fail their art exam. They're trying to get into, like, the yes. art ministry. And they fail, mm-hmm. uh, which I hadn't realized, even though, like, on the back, again, the description says ministry of armor so i should have realized that that wasn't the same thing as like the ministry of art or whatever it was called the art ministry Mm -hmm. and but i didn't (laughs) um (laughs) and they're just so funny because they hear about the job with the ministry of armor and they're like no that's where i draw the line i am i I do not get involved in politics i don't really know what's going on with politics because i that's how much i don't (laughs) I don't yes. pay attention to things right. that are going on around me, mm-hmm. which which I appreciated about <laughs> Jeff. Yeah. Like, sure, do what you have to do to survive in this in this environment. And but then they're like kind of casing the Ministry of Armor where they just keep <laughs> wandering by it. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Oh and my then, gosh. And then they get called out on it by because, like, <laughs> of course, the military—they're gonna notice yeah. this it's random the Ministry person of Armor. <laughs> who just keeps walking by their place. <laughs> like, oh my god! That, that was one of those times where I was like, Jebby, you are not—you're one—you're not the most observant. Two, you are pretty naive in a bunch mm-hmm. of different ways. Where you're yeah. just really not realizing how things are. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I don't think I don't think they were naive to the point that it was frustrating either. I feel yeah. like it made sense. So. Yeah, like I felt like I could really relate. Mm-hmm. And like there's a lot going on here with the Westerners and yes. like trying to assimilate their culture and 
you know, make it their own. And just like, it feels very familiar. Mm. And I mean, the thing is, it's not even the Westerners yet, because first they have the oh, Rosanai. Yeah, they're like, they're the basically Rosanai. talking about the Westerners. Yeah. Yeah, and the Rosanai. Yeah. So you've just got, you've got all of these layers where you've got the Rosanai who have conquered them and who mm-hmm. have taken control, but then you've also got tell of the Westerners. And it is very yeah. reminiscent of history and, and Asian history and things that have happened mm-hmm. in, in our world. Uh, so, so that was interesting to see uh, on page. Yeah, Jebby's sister. Oh, I, yes. <laughs> I I want to I want to bring her into the conversation right now, just because, like at the beginning, you just know that Jebby's sister, you know, raised them pretty much. Mm-hmm. Their parents had died when they were fairly young. So their older sister had to be the one to raise them. And you've got Jebby coming home after their big exam and, Mm -hmm. you know, making these comments like, oh, there's that game board that I don't know who she's playing with, but every once in a while, it seems like it's been moved around. And (laughs) wonder what that's about. Oh, well, (laughs) just all these things. And then their sister is very clearly, you know, against the uh the rosne right like just clearly uh wants to i mean it it was clear to me at least like they were very much involved in something and then you just got jebby who's like huh i haven't thought about that i'm not gonna (laughs) think about that my sister's just my sister you know i don't know what she does with her day yeah (laughs) apparently she plays this board game sometimes (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yep (laughs) And then, yeah, Jebby gets forced into the job at the the Ministry of Armor, where they're they're blackmailed because of their sister's ties with the oh, Resistance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I do kind of want to jump ahead really quickly because one of my favorite like reveals that uh-huh. I also felt like I should have realized, and I was on the <laughs> same naivety level as Jebby was when uh, the uh deputy minister of the ministry of armor or whatever his title was where he's like i wasn't blackmailing you i was blackmailing (laughs) your sister who is clearly a resistance leader like Like, how do you think you got this job (laughs) (laughs) like why would we choose you for this job you're just this random artist like yeah (laughs) They could have gotten any artist to do this job. Yeah. You have ties to a resistance leader that you didn't even realize was a resistance leader Mm -hmm. (laughs) until people started being like, yeah, you're here because of your sister. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just really appreciated that and loved Jebby in those moments. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, that's totally something that would happen to me. I'd be like... Oh my god, they like really love my talent. Yes. Like they they re- are really excited to have me here, and it's like no, they just want to get close to my sister. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! What is the sister's name? Uh, Bongsunsa. Oh yeah, okay. Is that Bongsunga? Bong yeah yeah Bongsunga. Woo names, but yeah, I just Jabby goes through a lot 
through this book. Oh, and yeah. while at the Ministry of Armor, Jebby meets Vey, who is yes. the the duelist for like that ministry, like the person who is going to, you know, fight for the honor. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So is that like the person whenever a royal gets in trouble and they're like, I choose trial by combat? Like, is that what the duelist does? It kind of <laughs> seems like that. I We didn't get a lot of, I don't think we got a lot of explanation about it, which I feel like it's I don't remember that, any. That Yoon Ha Lee does in his books is he does kind of just drop you in and you just kind of have to soak in the world until mm-hmm. it, it just starts making sense, <laughs> which, which can be good and bad. I, I think yeah. audiobook versions, sometimes it, it can be hard to follow along. I think the same can be mm-hmm. said of his trilogy where it can be hard to, to follow along when, when you're getting all of these new terminology thrown at you. Yeah. But I do actually really kind of like that immersive like Mm -hmm. not holding your hand when you're being introduced to the world because i mean you don't really need to hold the reader's hand for those things like if you just get immersed in it you will pick it up Mm -hmm. like there was not like any exposition really like you know Mm. you kind of like, you described it perfectly. Like, I definitely felt like a sponge thrown in mm. and just, like, trying to suck up what other, of what, uh, what am I trying to say? Suck up any information any. Yeah. that I could find. But, yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's why I like the book versions, or, you know, the physical versions of the books. Because, like, then I could have actually seen how dualist is spelled and I could maybe look it up. <laughs> Mm. like but when i hear it i'm just like huh that's a weird word <laughs> let's move on it's just somebody who does duels <laughs> yeah exactly i mean maybe <laughs> but she did a duel in the story that's exactly what she does well yeah but like is that all she does <laughs> i mean she's also like a military person so i mean yeah we, we learned that she fought in the war we learn that she mm-hmm. actually is the person from the war who killed uh jebby's sister-in-law mm, yeah which is a point of like conflict for them mm-hmm. and and yeah as i mentioned earlier with they i mean there very easily could have been this power dynamic because jebby was very much a prisoner they right. was watching over them mm-hmm. and You've got Jebby, who is very attracted to Vey throughout the story, which was yeah. kind of sweet. I just think with their relationship, it wasn't until mm-hmm. they had left the ministry and we mm-hmm. meet Vey's family yeah. that I was like, okay, I now fully understand everything and I can root for their relationship because there was a time where... I just wasn't really sure why they turns on the ministry. Right. And it's kind of like that icky relationship that, you know, like you don't want correctional officers getting involved with prisoners. Like what's happening here? And it's that power dynamic you're mentioning. Like, what are your intentions for this? Like, are you just trying to get information about my sister? Like Mm -hmm. what's happening? (laughs) 
Yeah. I don't like, and I don't know how Jebby like actually got past that. Like, I don't know if I would have been able to. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I think Jebby is just a very pure soul. Yeah. They, <laughs> they're the, they're just attracted to Vay. They're, they're like, attracted to Vay. Yeah. They're, and also they do use Vay for their own purposes. Uh, right. because they, while Jebby is in the ministry, their main purpose is trying to get their dragon automaton under mm-hmm. control and, and so that they can use it again and they have to paint these sigils on the dragon. And they use Vay to get the keys to try and free the dragon because there's this point where they get really invested in the dragon. They learn that the dragon was coded to be a pacifist so that oh, the dragon yeah. was accused of this massacre. But Jebby's like, well, hold on. I see that the paint encoded it to be a pacifist. This, your stories aren't adding up. And yeah. so as they're doing this, their, their detective work, they really grow attached to the dragon. They, paint the sigil and sneak it on to give it the ability to speak and then that was mm-hmm. a really fun as soon as the dragon oh was God, talking yeah. to Jebby I was sold with this story because yeah I agree yeah. there's so much like setup time and mm-hmm. Jebby just like time skips of Jebby just being in the ministry but when we yeah. finally get to what's the dragon's name? Arazi Arazi? Arazi when we get to that moment where Arazi speaks to Jebby in their mind mm-hmm. that's when I was fully sold on this book because it it was just so fun from that that section specifically was just a oh, really yeah. fun moment in the book I am definitely here for dragon content um like definitely I felt totally the same I was like oh now the book this is the point of the book where it gets interesting <laughs> It was I'm in it now. Yeah, it was just so sweet also because the the dragon just wanted to experience things. Yeah. So that's like another interesting bit because it's an automaton, mm-hmm. right? But like now it's gained sentience mm-hmm. and like trying to experience everything. But it's just like I don't know. It's just cool that it was a dragon or you know an automaton that's kind of coming to life mm-hmm. and it's very reminiscent of some of the wild built mm. except for they don't give the automatons freedom and right you know they become sentient yeah and a lot of it is derived from the sigils itself it's not you know i don't know you can make your own dragon buddy i don't right. know where i'm going with this it's just it's just a cool concept i really like it and i feel like at one point I could be mistaken, but Jebby's like, we need to get, like, the right parts on this dragon, you know? And, like, it's just cool. Like, you built it up, mm-hmm. and then you paint these sigils on it, and it comes to life. I just like the concept. Yeah, it's, this book is really interesting in that it has all of these fantasy elements, and then it has oh, these yeah. really hard sci-fi elements where there is this mechanical dragon, and it does, it, it, operates as a machine you've got the magic which is basically programming 
where they're yes. they're programming yeah. these automatons through the magic sigils, which was a really right. interesting way of doing it. And then you've also, again, with those fantasy elements where you've got this dragon and the dragon is like, no, like I am a dragon. I have like my dragon ancestor, like I, I'm a dragon. I can surely fly. Does that make sense with <laughs> yes. my mechanics? Did you like actually make sure that that worked? Who knows? But I am a dragon through and through, so I will be I able to that. fly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So cool. It's like kind of steampunk, really. Yeah. But like in such an interesting setting, it's cool. It's not what you normally see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was really cool. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. With they like. Again, it wasn't until they had, until we see their family, until we see Vey's family, because, Mm -hmm. again, I was like, I don't know why Vey is really turning against the ministry in this moment. Like, yes, Jebby had been imprisoned, like, the ministry, that was when they made the reveal of we're holding you here because of your sister. Yes. Like we, yeah. we need to lure your sister in and get her captured. We don't really care about you anymore. Like we, right. we could have anybody else figure out our dragon. We'll, we'll make it work. And yeah, <laughs> when, and they goes and like breaks them out and it's all heroic and kind of adorable, but still it's kind of like, eh, I don't really understand what Vey's intentions are. Like, why are they turning on their, mm-hmm. their people? And you do find out yeah. through the story that Vey has mixed heritage. Mm-hmm. And then you go and meet her family. And her family had been basically thrust out uh, because of how yeah. they were living. And because um, it was her father and then her mother and then a third, uh, another woman, was part of this. So they have this like triad going on, which was looked mm-hmm. down upon in the Rosne culture. And yes. And that's when you can kind of start to see, like, okay, this isn't just, like, a brand new thing just because they're like, oh, this random painter person is hot. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me save them. Which, I mean, if that's your reason for saving somebody, sure. Yeah. Go for it. But also, there is this, yeah. like, underlying of, you know, maybe they weren't necessarily fully loyal this entire oh, time. Oh, yeah. Right. So. Right. Which I think is the only way that jebby would be able to trust Mm -hmm. her is Mm -hmm. if that was the case because you're not changing loyalties then you're just affirming your secret loyalty right right yeah yeah (laughs) and i i did think it was interesting because i wasn't sure how they were going to make it work since they had killed their sister-in-law and so there's Mm -hmm. that kind of issue going on but i think because of the character arc we see with Jebby's sister. And I think as you start to see that, like, none of the characters are fully good, fully bad, that they all yeah. are these really complex characters, then you can start mm-hmm. to be like, okay, I can understand how Jebby can be with this person who did kill their sister-in-law. Also, I mean killed them during a war it wasn't like they had a specific well, yeah. duel it, it was during a war but it was also during a war where <laughs> J- they's side was trying to occupy <laughs> yeah so that's a bit like, 
did she use her duelist prime power it's complex (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and that's the whole thing about war and rebellion Mm -hmm. is that you're really following orders Mm -hmm. and you could just be like a regular person thrown into this like you don't Mm-hmm. You have your own values, but right now you have to fight for this person or they're going to kill you, yeah. basically. So you can also put that into account, like, what people do during wartime doesn't really define their character. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Which is uh, a tricky road to go down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I we definitely see that with Jebby's arc, where Jebby is continually pushed to do things that they don't want to do. I mean, Mm -hmm. they, this entire time after learning that the dragon is this pacifist, their whole goal is to get the dragon out of the hands of the government and then also get the dragon out of the hands of their sister because their sister with the resistance is like, we can use it. So everybody who sees this dragon Mm -hmm. sees it for the war potential. And and Jebby's like, no, I I I don't approve of that. This dragon yeah. now has the ability to choose. It was originally coded to be a pacifist. We're making it do these things that it doesn't want to do, and that's not right. right. We need to give it that choice. So I just thought that was a really, really interesting to see. And again, that like character arc with the sister, where I mean, she. She's doing what she has to do for Very the Very single-minded. Yeah. Uh, and it will use Jebby if she has to, which is... Oh, yeah. I mean, ugh. technically, she has Jebby in the Ministry of Armor, lit, being her eyes, ears, Basically, like, yeah. everything, you know? Like, she could... I mean, she could really abuse that relationship if she wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, being a pacifist dragon during war times, oh, it's like, <laughs> come on. Poor dragon. I know. Poor dragon. Poor dragon. But it is, there's, there's so many sweet moments where when they escape the ministry and then end up in the hands of the revolutionaries, where mm-hmm. the, uh, the dragon makes these comments about how, Yes, they are now making these choices to destroy people and and kill people, and they don't necessarily like that, but they also have grown to care so much for Jebby and and the Mm -hmm. people that Jebby cares for that the dragon is like, if I have the ability to protect you, I am going to protect you, which is so sweet. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But yeah, it, it really is just interesting where poor Jebby, again, this reluctant hero, keeps being forced to do things for the ministry and then for the resistance that they don't want to do. One thing, going way back to the sigils and the painting that I thought was a really yeah. interesting part of this book was that in the description for the book, it says that the awful source of the magical pigments. And when you read that. Oh, yeah. I, in my mind, I'm thinking, like, bodies and people, like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. they they are... Ground up children. Right? <laughs> they're, they're massacring <laughs> people to use their <laughs> blood for, for the pigments. And what it is, is it's their artwork that yeah. the Rosanari are taking from them and then mm-hmm. destroying 
to create these pigments and as like if the artist is dead then it likely will have these magical elements yeah. to it yeah. and and that is that is awful i mean yeah. where their history their art their culture is being taken by these yeah. people who have taken over their land and now it's being yeah. used on these weapons that are going to mm-hmm. continue to be used to subjugate them. Exactly. And like, it's literally like, because the artist has to be dead, really, it's literally taking their soul yeah. power, you know, their soul energy and using it for something that they never wanted to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Do we ever find out? I might've missed it. Um, why um, Arasi was originally coded for, um pass for being a pacifist like why Mm. would a dragon be coded to be a pacifist we do it's because the original artist and this is another thing with they where they was kind of working together with that original artist to kind of undermine Mm. things a little bit where the original artist had hidden it in the the coding in the glyphs that it was a pacifist so it was it was not approved by the ministry obviously the ministry wanted it as a war machine but the the artist took it upon themselves to make that change and encode it so that yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't want to harm others which then led to that poor artist's death when the minister when the deputy oh found out yeah so okay yeah i blanked out part of that story yeah okay (laughs) i remembered the artist getting killed wow that is just like it's just such a cool concept like Mm -hmm. how could you not want more novels that take place in this world you know Mm -hmm. yeah i wish they could like claim the sigils for themselves and like make their own automatons I mean, that's what the Resistance is trying to do. They're trying to use Jebby. Yeah. They even start talking about, you know, maybe using the Rosine art and, like, safeguarding uh-huh. their own art and their yeah. own culture and, and sending that away to be safe, safe in quotation marks, because they're sending it to the Westerners and we find out. I mean, we, we you yeah. probably knew from the beginning if you know anything about yeah. world history. If you know anything about Westerners, <laughs> we suck. You gotta watch out for them. <laughs> Truly, they're uh, sneaky. <laughs> but yeah, I that they're gonna use it for themselves to try and win the war, make their own attempts. Yeah. yeah, so it's just gonna be this cycle of everybody's just trying to one up each other and, and yeah. take from each other. Um, how similar this is to the arms race. I mean, yeah. It is an arms it race. Is. <laughs> yeah. It is, for sure. Trying yeah. to build a bigger, better bomb. Yeah. So they can hold the war- world hostage, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's just, like, such a poignant... Like, I feel like there's some poignant facts, or, like, not facts, but points being made mm-hmm. throughout this novel that are just, like, really parallel to our own world oh for which sure. is like so cool like you know it's just comforting cool to see like our own conflicts laid out in a different arena mm-hmm. i guess yeah. yeah oh for sure for a random thing christina did you catch that there was one line 
um, where it talks about our favorite little bird friend from the Nevo book that we read. <gasps> no, they mentioned I, the hoopoo. I, I, I Oh my god. Okay, I forgot it was even called that. Wait, what is it called again? The hoopoo? The hoopoo. Yes. Okay. The teeny tiny cute I... little bird. There's, yes, there's, I love that bird. There's a sentence <laughs> where um, Jebby is uh, saying something about a person. They're saying the person, despite being bundled up in the same grubby felt coats as the other rebels, stood out like a hoopoo amid a flock of magpies. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, I totally missed that. I love that bird. I probably like heard it and was just like, I don't know what that is. Right. Move on. <laughs> nope, that was that was our very Woo-hoo. sweet, cute bird. Yes. <laughs> oh, good memories. <laughs> he had all the I don't know, he had a bunch of scrolls. It's so cute. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And then just continuing on with just some random quotations and things that I liked. There's with Vey and Jebby when they're with the rebels, with the resistance, they're sent on this mission. They're sent on, like, they have, like, one mission that they're sent on and then one where the enemy comes and attacks them. And there's one point where this is something that I I love with fictional, like, romances. (laughs) Where mm-hmm. um, uh, they says, I will keep the hostiles from touching you. I will cut down anyone who so much as stirs a hair on your head. <laughs> like, support your person. Be there for them no yes. matter what. And then there's Jebby. Jebby's thought after that was, Jebby was torn between saying, you are embarrassing me. And <laughs> I am going to take yes. up my brush and make a painting of you that they will talk about for the next 10,000 years. And I was just so sold <laughs> on them. Oh my god, I was just, yes. Like, yes, this sweet, adorable painter who will feed cats when they're imprisoned. Uh, mm-hmm. and their murder girlfriend. <laughs> yes. Best dynamic. Oh my god. Oh my god, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Yes. It's just so sweet. I... Yeah. Too sweet. And there, there are also so many tiny lines that are genuinely funny throughout this story mm-hmm. there's one that i it, it tickled me where it's with the cat where it says the cat sniffed the meat for a bad moment jebby thought it was going to reject the food for inexplicable cat reasons <laughs> yes oh my god <laughs> which that tickled me <laughs> oh i love that oh my god <laughs> and then another line that tickled me <laughs> where again this really highlights Jebby's like naivety like being so naive where they're talking to their sister and their sister is saying Jebby this is like when you were four and you thought laundry magically happened <laughs> yes like yes that describes oh jebby to a t where they yeah. just really are not understanding of things but <laughs> i love it it's so relatable <laughs> how did i end up here <laughs> oh my Amazing. gosh but yeah and then oh, just 
let me continue with lines that tickled me oh, because yes. quotations are my favorite I thing. I love lines that tickle me. <laughs> quotations are my favorite thing. Um, yes. There's during the final big skirmish that they go through where Jebby yeah. does unfortunately despite trying so hard to get out of having to use the sigils to cause mass destruction which is what mm-hmm. they wanted to avoid as much as possible. Right. Um, they do end up using it to save the resistance in this one mm-hmm. battle because they've got all of the enemy tanks are, are coming in. And so they, they do that, but then they get shot and they is just so sweet and is like, you idiot, we're not supposed to take turns getting hurt because they, in the previous battle, had gotten wounded then. And so it's just like, again, this is like the cutest, best dynamic where just these two idiots who are just adorable and are taking turns just getting grievously injured. Oh my god. Yes. I guess really my final thing that I want to touch on is the ending of this book. Because, again, I mentioned before that I do have the tendency of going into these resistance stories being like, ah, everything will be solved. They will have defeated the enemy and and everything will be hunky-dory and perfect at the end, which is Mm -hmm. not true to life and is is not true in a I because I've read a few books like this at this point. It's not true to the and genre. It's not true to the genre either. So I don't know yeah. why my brain is always like, it must have a fully like It's because you love reading romance novels. I do need that full. They have they have happily ever afters, <laughs> I learned. Christina knows that now. I remember after being told twice. <laughs> Christina, this book ends with uh, Jebby and Vey and the dragon. They are going to go to the moon, which which sounds mm-hmm. so like ridiculous, preposterous. Yes, yes. I mean, <laughs> Jebby like <laughs> contemplates it throughout the book too. Is the thing like it's not a new idea? Yeah. It is definitely like put into our minds throughout the book, and because of the mm-hmm. mix of like sci-fi and fantasy, it it works. But it is where you are kind of taken aback, like, oh, wait, we actually are going with this ending? They actually are going to the moon? (laughs) I thought you meant that metaphorically, (laughs) like you were going to go to the other side of the world or something. (laughs) Uh, And, I mean, it's just you're getting this beautiful description of, like, the start. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jebby is just sketching away. They are finding so many beautiful things. They are looking at the curvature of the earth and and of the world, and they are just Mm -hmm. so taken by everything that they are seeing. And then they see the Westerners that are on the way with their big warships. And then it ends, and it's just... Yeah. I mean, there has to be another book, right? I don't know. And did the Westerners get enough art to create automatons do they even need it because i mean if they have the mechanics like Mm -hmm. they have electricity and and this are able to make these big metal warships do they even necessarily need 
the magic if they're able to create mechanics without it. Right, right. And it's just, uh, it's just heartbreaking because then you've got, like, they know that there's, there's no way that the resistance and the Rosine, like, that they're going to be able to stand against it unless they, exactly. for whatever reason, put their differences aside. But at this point, well, I feel like if there is a second novel, that's going to be a big part of it, right? right? Like trying to communicate with them and saying we got to re- we got to unite against right. the westerners you know either that or the westerners come in and the rosine team up with them and right because who knows maybe the rosine invited them over for help hmm. yeah i mean we know that the resistance had contact with at least one westerner i mean <laughs> Yeah. It, it was that was one of those things where throughout the book you're kind of told like you know your resistance people aren't that like any better because they are talking to the westerners who of course are going to want to come and occupy as well and then you find out it's mm-hmm. just like this one redheaded <laughs> um, uh, westerner who has fallen in love or is in a relationship with Jebby's sister <laughs> like it's not yeah. it's not like a whole battalion of westerners have have joined the resistance no it's just this one lady <laughs> yes <laughs> it's like i remember that i was like okay like it just seemed weird for them to be like it's just a redheaded westerner <laughs> i was like <laughs> Do all Westerners have red hair or like, I don't know. Or do they not have red hair where they are? Well, no, because they're all Asian. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I assumed, but I was like, is this a made up? At least, I mean, they're based on. I think it is supposed to be like China and then Westerners, obviously, US. But it's a made up world. Anything could happen. True. True. But yeah, I mean, you are told throughout the book, I mean, you're even told before you meet the redhead that, I mean, they've heard tell of these people who have these different colored hairs that that they have not seen before, um, that they haven't gotten to experience before. So I definitely would just be interested to see where this goes and like how further like the world Mm -hmm. can be built, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely read anything else in this world but i do also think like i am kind of content with the ending i mean it's it's a jarring ending and it's not at all again it's it's not that full happy ever after and Mm -hmm. but it it works i think yeah i can see that for sure because then you're left to speculate about what will happen Mm -hmm. but either way you know doesn't sound good yeah oh no not at all i mean it's a there seems to be a no-win situation here like there's there's nothing it does it's not going to be good for the resistance it's not going to be good for the rosne assumptions being that the westerners are going to just fully mess everything up and and conquer Mm -hmm. everything so yeah as they do unfortunately yeah but yeah, I I don't know. Oh, just one other random thing that I want to make sure I talk about. I Yoon-ha Lee, I think, does queer representation really, really well in his novels. It's mm-hmm. one of those things where there 
it's it's really queer like there's just so many different types of representation and it's done i feel effortlessly like it it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like they're just putting it in there that he's putting it in there just to like tick a box mm-hmm. it, it all of these yeah. characters are fully fleshed out they're not just the you know like the lover or or mm-hmm. like there's more to each of these characters. They are a fully fleshed out person. Exactly. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I thought it was so seamless. And like, sometimes I feel like, like, you know, Jebby was they, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, it didn't seem like it, like you said, like it was something to just appease the masses Mm -hmm. or whatever. It felt really like true to the story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I love it. Like in books where, it just seems like ingrained into the fabric of society a little yes. bit where it's not like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Or it, I mean, obviously it's like, that's what we wish it would be like. Yeah. You know? And that's why it's so appealing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. It's one of those things like, yes, I, I see the merit and, and the need for those stories that do focus on the, the hardships and uh, that mm-hmm. can be faced and, and overcoming those things. But it is also just, really nice when you have these societies in these books where it's just that's just the way it is and and yeah. it's accepted and and everything is fine like you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about any kind of um backlash or any kind of violence towards you because of your identity and yeah exactly and that is delightful to read so yes dreams yeah <laughs> oh boy <laughs> <laughs> one day <laughs> one day <laughs> oh my gosh yeah, yeah. Oh. so Hannah what are your recommendations Christina it's my episode I ask you that first <laughs> <laughs> no Christina are you trying to sneak your way out of it <laughs> do you need more think time <laughs> No, I suppose I'm ready. I'm looking at my bookshelf. (laughs) Yeah, Christina, what recommendations do you have for books? If you like Phoenix Extravagant, what should they read? If you like Phoenix Extravagant, I really think you're going to like The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemisin. Um, I think that's a Broken Earth Mm -hmm. trilogy. Um, It's so good. It's, you know, it has that magical element and it's grounded in like earth minerals and like you know gems and it's just like such a cool blend of earth and technology and magic and i think it is really reminiscent of this novel um i like it and there is like a lot of queer representation there Mm. as well and it is also blended into the society so if you enjoyed that then you would really like this that's my big recommendation i i don't have anything else i don't think okay hannah to you i mean i've already recommended on the podcast before and i said at the beginning of this i would definitely read uh nine fox gambit and the trilogy that that goes along with it's just i mentioned this on the podcast before because i i recommended nine fox gambit and when i said it i was like this is a very confusing book and It is, but it's one of those things, again, where you just, if you immerse yourself in it and you just go with it, 
Mm-hmm. You, it'll all start to come together. And maybe it doesn't come together in that first book. And when I read that first book, I think that was like a four star read. But then I went on to the other books in the series. And mm-hmm. I am positive if I were to go back and reread that first book, that it would be a five star that that it would oh, make so yeah. much more sense that uh, I would be able to see the beginnings of the storylines that are coming after Mm-hmm. But yeah, just to give more about what the book is about. So Nine Fox Gambit, you have Kel Charis, who is this uh, military person who is has to fight in these formations. Like you basically all of the war is done through like math. Like, at, at, like oh, all of, yeah, okay. like you, you know what formations you need to get into because of all of these mathematical equations that you go through. Mm-hmm. And then she is plucked out and she is chosen to go on this mission to try and reclaim this station that has gone out of the uh, control of the government. Basically, so okay. you've got the space station yeah. that is like heretical, and they need to be brought back in to uh, the calendar. Which again, it's like a lot mm. of these things that that sound confusing. You just you just go with it. Like, don't be intimidated by right. it. <laughs> it. It really is so so well done. Kel is teamed up with this person who, like, you cannot trust who has committed atrocities mm-hmm. before, but also maybe doesn't remember, maybe doesn't fully know oh. what's going on. Like, and it's mm. just the arc that you go on with these char- these two characters in particular throughout that trilogy is fantastic. So I would definitely recommend the Nine Fox Gambit and continuing on with that trilogy. My other recommendation, I think if you liked Phoenix Extravagant, but you want something that is more focused in on the military side of things, that is more focused in on the war and seeing... Uh, the ravages of war and the depictions of the the soldiers and everybody who was involved in it, then I would say The Poppy War by R.F. Kuang. It, there are actually okay. a lot of parallels with that trilogy to this book. So I, I don't want to say anything more because it, it's pretty spoilery. But also if you yeah. weren't a fan of Naive Jebby... Rin mm-hmm. is a completely different character. <laughs> Rin, <laughs> she is an unlikable character. <laughs> she <laughs> she makes many choices throughout this trilogy that you're going to be like, what in the world have you done? You're going to get to the end of the first book and be like, what did I just read? How is this going to continue? Oh my gosh. Uh, each book, you're going to basically yeah. be like, what in the world is Rin going to do next? <laughs> like, <laughs> how are they going to top the previous thing that they did that we thought was so ridiculous? Yeah. And then they do top that ridiculous thing. And so oh my uh, basically, you've got Rin, who 
just this this country girl who who wants to rise up in the world who who wants to have mm-hmm. power who wants to be a part of something and so she works incredibly hard to make it into the like esteemed military school and so mm-hmm. you get to see in the first book it's like half of it is this military school setting and then it switches into a more wartime story and that's where the rest of the series continues mm-hmm. so i i've definitely heard some people with that first book where if you're really a fan of school settings and not so much war then you might not get on with this trilogy but if you mm-hmm. are a fan of that military fantasy and getting to see every aspect of a war, then you'll love the second half and you'll continue on and I think enjoy the rest of the trilogy. It sounds interesting. I don't know how I feel about military fantasy. It's such a specific mm. genre, but I like I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, Christina, what are we reading next month? All right. So next month, we're going to read a scary book. (gasps) This book is called Tender is the Flesh. Let's do it. Okay. (laughs) By Augustina Basterica and the translator for the edition that I'm sure both of us are going to read because it's in English Mm. was translated by Sarah Moses. So this book is kind of a plague novel it's reported that infectious virus has made all animal meat poisonous to humans then governments initiated the transition now eating human meat or special meat is legal one day he's given a gift a live specimen of the finest quality though he's aware that any form of personal contact is forbidden on pain of death little by little he starts to treat her like a human being and soon he becomes tortured but what, by what has been lost and what might still be saved. All right. Well, get ready for a <laughs> scary book. Brace yourself. <laughs> what have I agreed to? <laughs> it's only 211 pages, so that's nice. All righty then. <laughs> We have made it to the end of our discussion. You can find all of our social media information in the show notes. Uh, Make sure you rate and review us. It helps other people find our fantastic podcast. (laughs) Good job, Hannah. (laughs) Until next time, don't forget to treat yourself. (laughs) 